Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody doing well? I know it's uh, spring break weekend, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to be with us this morning as we gather together to celebrate Jesus Christ and even new life and baptism and just all the things that we celebrate this morning together as a faith family. It's good to see you, and I'm glad that you've chosen to be here. And let me just say this. Um, we are only two weeks away. We've got this whole countdown thing going, two weeks away from moving into our new building. That means that next Sunday is the last Sunday in this old warehouse, I mean, this old Winn-Dixie uh, grocery store. And, um, and I'll tell you, I know it's a bittersweet for a lot of people, just like um, uh, we, we saw this morning, uh, one just wanting to be baptized here because this place means so much to her. I know that there are so many more who have testified that there's been real life change that takes place in, in this building. And so we thank God for that, but we also thank God for uh, the reality that we have a new place to go into, a new facility, and we're expecting greater things, amen, to continue taking place. And, uh, and I, I know that God is going to just do incredible things in that building as well. That's uh, one of the reasons I feel like he has given it to us. Uh, I want to say this before we dive into the message this morning, because I think it's so important that we sort of walk through what's going to happen on Easter Sunday weekend. I know I've been announcing it every week, but uh, it's just one of those things I feel like we need to do. Uh, On Friday, Good Friday, the Friday before Easter, we're going to have our first ever Good Friday service. And uh, I want to walk that uh, walk through that with you because I think it's very important to all of us here today to to really understand what's going to happen on that that Friday morning. What we are inviting everyone in this room to do with us is to fast all day on Friday. Now I don't know if you've ever participated in a fast. I don't know if you've ever uh, even thought about fasting. But we want to invite everyone to fast together to just spend some time that day fasting and praying for all that God's going to do in that new place. And so I, I will be fasting, our staff will be fasting, and I, I, we just want to invite you to fast with us. And then what we're going to do at 6 p.m., we're going to come together, and that'll be the very first service that ever takes place in our new building. It's going to be a, a more reverent uh, service. It's not going to be what we typically would have on Sunday morning. There's going to be a lot of scripture that's read, a lot of time spending in prayer. It's going to be a time where we prepare. We hear, we really are going to walk through the crucifixion story in preparation for the resurrection story on Sunday morning. And so as we do that, it's going to be a time where we, we literally hear the gospel before every, leading up to the resurrection. And then at the end of that service, we're going to have the Lord's Supper together. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper, thus breaking our fast and expecting God to just really begin to do a great work in our hearts and the hearts of all those who make that place home. And so right after the service ends, after the Lord's Supper, we're going to have a moment where we all exit the building and we're going to go out there to our new pond. I love our pond. I don't know if you've, if you've seen our pond lately, but it's starting to turn blue instead of brown. And so I'm really liking that. And, uh, We're going to go out there and we're going to have a place prepared where we're going to take our stones that we gathered during the vertical campaign. We're going to go out there and we're going to uh, have a time where we uh, embrace and participate in in leaving a memorial to Jesus for all that he has done for us. And so it's going to be a a really special time. One of the things that was brought to my attention this week uh, by one of our our people uh, is is that uh, they said, Pastor David, I don't know if I can give up my stone. 
And I said, well, you got to. And they said, well, no, I, I just really, it's been sitting on my desk for a year. And every time I look at that stone, I'm reminded of all that God is doing in my life and in the life of our church. And, and I, is there any way I could just keep mine? And I thought about that. And I thought, well, you know, that's, that's really interesting. There could be others that want to do the same thing. And so what we will have on that day is a, a pile of rocks, a pile of stones, in which if you want to hang on to your stone as a memorial or a reminder of all that God's done in your life over this time together as a church, then you keep that rock, and we'll have you another one for you to, to take out to the memorial. So it's going to be a very special time for our faith family. Uh, I, I, I say all this because I look around this room, and I see this group and the, and the second service group every Sunday morning, and I, I just want to invite all of you to come out and be a part of that. I think it's going to be a really wonderful time for us to celebrate Good Friday together, to participate in the Lord's Supper, and to remember all that God has done in our lives together. Then on Saturday, we'll do the Easter egg hunt. And on Sunday, we're going to have a big day. We're going to have a big, big day as we celebrate uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So does, does that sound good to everybody here? Can we just celebrate Jesus this morning together? It's going to be a very special time, and, and I, I'm really looking forward to it. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word this morning. Uh, got a really special message, I feel, uh, that, that, to share with you. So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our life, and God, how we just continue to look around, and all around us we see, God, just um, your amazing work in the lives of people. God, I see your work in my life, and Father, I'm thankful God, I'm so thankful, God, that we can celebrate the good things that take place in our life because of you. God, everything from salvation to sanctification, every blessing that we could, uh, that we could recognize, God, Lord, is coming from you. Lord, we celebrate those things today. But, Father, we also celebrate your presence in this place. We celebrate, Father, the reality that, God, that you... you find the need to do a great work in our hearts and our souls right here every Sunday as we gather together as a faith family. Father, I'm thankful for our faith family. I'm thankful, Father, for this family that we have together, God, where we can come as brothers and sisters and children of God, Lord, together. We can draw near to you together in this place, God, and celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you, God, for your word, and God, all that it teaches us, and I pray that as we dive into your word today, God, that you would speak deeply into our hearts. Help us to set aside every distraction that exists in our minds right now that we may hear from you. Lord, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen. This morning's message is a message on prayer. It's a message on prayer. And my hope is, is that by the time we leave here today that we would understand prayer a little bit more than maybe we've ever known it before. But, but I, I, I also hope that this message will challenge us to pray more intentionally and more boldly than we ever have before. Let me ask you a question before we dive into God's Word together here this morning. The question is this. What does your prayer life look like? Don't, don't start answering. But what does your prayer life look like? I want that question to sort of sink in this morning as we 
prepare to look into Scripture and, and understand a little something more about prayer, I, I want to give you a second to think about that as, as we prepare to dive into God's Word together. But honestly, what does our prayer life really look like? The reason I ask this question is because Scripture says this. I want you to listen to this. But Scripture tells us that Christ is able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Let me say that again. This is coming from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, where it says that Christ is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And so the, the question this morning is that if, if Jesus is able and even willing to do far more abundantly, more than we ask or even think about on a daily basis, if the capacity of a holy and righteous God is to do more in our life than what our minds are ever centered on, then why aren't we asking God to move more powerfully in our life? And maybe some of you, as I ask the question, what does your prayer life look like? You, 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 you revealed that indeed you are, but I would almost guess that for most of us here today that our prayer life is not going near to the place that, that Jesus' capabilities exist as. That he is able to do far more than, than, than we ever ask and even most of the time, even more than we think possible. This is coming from the word of God. And so this morning as we, as we think about a message on prayer, I want that to just sink in as I continue to walk through this message that I feel God has given us today in preparation for what's to come in our life and also as, as individuals, but also as a faith family coming together to do the work of Jesus in this community. I want these things to think about. I want us to, to be thinking about that, that Christ is able to do more than we typically would ever ask of him. I want that to sort of sink in as we dive into the message today. The, the, the title of today's message is this, Audacious Expectation. Audacious Expectation. You know, I think a lot of times in the Christian life and in our lives as individuals, we fail to expect God to really do much in our life, and therefore, we're certainly not praying for Him to do much in our life. Maybe there's times in our life where we turn to Him in a matter of desperation during difficult times in our life, and, and we pray for something a little bit audacious, but, but for the most part, are we really as believers, as we fall on our knees before God on a daily basis, if that's the case in our life, and, and we lift up our prayers to God, are we praying that God would do something so significant that we would recognize that it could only be the work of God in our life that that particular thing even took place? And so the message is titled, Audacious Expectations, having these expectations that are bold. I love the definition, this word, 
audacious. It's an interesting word. It means literally showing a willingness to take a surprisingly bold risk. That's what audacious means. It's having the audacity to think that something could happen where most people may not. And so this morning as we walk through this issue of prayer, I think it's going to be really interesting to think about this audacious expectation. Uh, We might ask, you know, what might happen if we dare to pray more boldly than we ever have before? One of the things that we we believe that God was calling us to do as a church when there was only 13 people gathered up in a living room was we believe God was calling us. He was setting us apart for the task of reaching Valdosta for Christ. Now, audacious thinking is thinking that 150,000 people could come to know Jesus Christ. But why wouldn't we be praying for everyone in this community to know Jesus So this morning, we're going to be looking at this audacious expectation. We're going to be turning to Joshua chapter 10. Go ahead and turn there, if you will, with me. Last week, we were talking about trusting obedience, and we were talking about really trusting God. We were looking at Joshua 1. Today, we're going to go to chapter 10 here. But we're looking at Joshua 10, verses 12 through 14. And this is a passage where Joshua quite literally takes prayer to a whole nother level. We're going to see something really amazing that takes place here because by the time we get to chapter 10 in the book of Joshua, we begin to see one of the most amazing stories, I believe, that exists in all of Scripture. We see something really amazing take place. Joshua, as you know, is a military commander and he has embraced the calling that God has placed on his life and he has gone to the people of God, he's gone to the people of Israel and he says, okay guys, it's time God is calling us to cross this Jordan River and to take the promised land, that land which God has promised us. And and he commanded the people. It's sort of a a military uh, initiative that's sort of taking place here because there's a lot of enemies on the other side that they're going to have to conquer. But they believe that God has called them to this. And and this is the task that God is taking them on, this journey that he's taking them on. And so Joshua has begun this military campaign and he is quite literally in the middle of it. In fact, he's already suffered a defeat in this time. But we, we see that by the time we get to Joshua chapter 10, we see something really amazing take place as Joshua leads the people. Joshua enters into a time of prayer. And what he literally prays is truly audacious. What Joshua prays for is for the sun and the moon to stand still. For the sun and the moon to stand still. And so this is going to require tremendous faith as it would and as it did. And it's going to require this audacious expectation that God would even grant such a request, such a petition from man. And so we get to this passage in Scripture, Joshua chapter 10, starting with verse 12, and we read these words together. It says, at that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord. And so here we recognize that this is a a time of, excuse me, a time of prayer. Joshua is praying in this particular situation, 
At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven, and it did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man. In other words, God responded to the prayer of Joshua. And it says, for the Lord fought for Israel. I don't know about you, but that is truly a, a miraculous happening that took place in the, in the life of Israel. As we look at this event in world history taking place, as we, as we look at this, we see where there's a man who had the audacity to pray to God that he would give him, quite simply, more daylight to fight the battles. And then what we see that is so miraculous about what God's word says here is that God granted this petition. God granted this prayer by halting the sun and the moon for almost a whole day to allow the situation to unfold and there be victory in the life of the Israelites. And so we see this really amazing thing that is beginning to take place. And I don't know about you, but I am totally wowed by this story. And it's just truly one that, that challenges my thinking to even think that something like this could happen. But knowing also that nothing is impossible with God. And so as I look at this story, I begin to realize that, that you know, you can never experience God's power until you have the audacity to pray and believe that God is a God of impossibilities. We would just never see God's power in the way that we can possibly see God's power in our life as individuals or as a, a faith family, a local body of believers, until we have the audacity to pray for the impossible things to happen that we could never accomplish on our own, but only through the power and the grace and the willingness of God we would see these things happen. Because God would want to be that involved in his work. I don't know about you, but this really challenges me to think about how I pray. This morning, excuse me, this morning, I want to offer to you three truths. I want to offer to you three truths. I'm still struggling with this whole pollen thing. I don't know if any of you guys are. So excuse me as I take a drink of water. But I want to offer to you three truths about audacious prayer. But I also want to offer to you this morning, I want to offer to you three, uh, three steps in having an audacious prayer life. And so I want to dive into this and and get into this text as quickly as possible. So let's, let's go ahead and, and look at this first one here. The, the, we're going to look at the truths first, and then we'll look at the steps to an audacious prayer life. But these are the truths concerning, and this isn't all of them for sure, but these are three truths that I wrote down, three truths of audacious prayer. The first one is this, is that audacious prayer is specific and unwavering. 
Audacious prayer is very specific and unwavering. Notice that Joshua, when he prays, I mean, he's, he's marching to face an enemy that he must face. And as he's marching into this, this place of battle, he prays a very specific and unwavering prayer to God. He doesn't second guess his prayer. He doesn't question his prayer. He just simply goes to God in a very unwavering spirit and he prays a very specific thing. He says, God, I need you to stop the sun. I need some more daylight here. This is what I'm going to need to accomplish your will for our life. I need some more daylight here. So if you could just sort of stop the sun and stop the moon just where they are and grant this to us, this is what his prayer is. Joshua prays, sun, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Agilon. And so here we see that this very specific prayer is offered to God. There was nothing in Joshua's prayer that was vague. There was nothing in Joshua's prayer that was vague. It was very to the point. It was very specific. And it was just very unwavering. Joshua said to God, I need more sunlight. And here's what's so amazing about this. He had the audacity to ask God for it. He had the audacity to ask God for it. You know, there was a time in my life as I was growing as a believer and, uh, you know, a young Christian knowing the, the reality that I should be praying and, uh, and so I would pray, almost on a daily basis, uh, I would pray. Uh, typically, my prayers uh, as a young married man with two small children were, were three, three meals or whatever meals that we had together. We were always real faithful to, to pray at those meals. But even in my prayer life over meals, it was something that was very, very just sort of general. I mean, it was just, you know, God, thank you for this food. Thank you for my family. Amen. You know, it's just always, it was sort of repetitive. And I'm not, I'm not saying that's how your prayer life was. I'm just saying that's how mine was. But even when I petitioned God outside of the dinner table or at breakfast or whenever I was with my family, my prayers were often very generic. God, thank you for who you are. You know, thank, uh, thank you for forgiveness. I pray that you forgive me for my sins. Amen. And it was sort of the same thing over and over every day. I never really recognized just how generalistic my prayers were, how, how very nonspecific they were. It was just sort of a simple recognition of God on a daily basis. And I really wasn't praying anything in my life that had, you know, had any expectations for God to do anything beyond what I was seeing already. But there came a time in my life, a very tragic time, a very difficult time, a, a time in my life where I was facing impossibilities, and I'm going to be honest with you, during these times in my life, I was scared to death. I was scared to death. I, I felt as though life was at a place where it, I, I just didn't know how it was going to go on. I was in a place of pure desperation. And I remember at that time in my life being very specific about what I needed God to do in my life. I was needing God to rescue me. I was needing God to work in my marriage. I was needing God to help me be a better father. I was needing God to do things in my life that I had to get very specific about. And it was only in those moments of very specific 
and pointed prayers where I begin to cry out to God and say, God, I desperately need you to help me be these things to my family. I need you to help me to overcome these things in my life that I begin to see the power of God to do those things in my life. You know what was so interesting about that is I began to realize the power of prayer. I began to, I, I was sort of, as a, as a young uh, less mature believer in Christ Jesus, I, I just had never really thought that God may be interested in me. That God may be interested in my role in the kingdom of God. I never really thought that God was really thinking much about me. Instead, I was always thinking that if, as long as I offer up a few prayers a day to a holy and righteous God, at least he wouldn't be mad with me. One of the things I feel like this passage teaches us is the need for very specific things to be mentioned in our prayer. Here we see as Joshua proceeds forward that his prayer was not generalized. It was very specific. It wasn't vague in the least bit. And he prayed this prayer. He prayed it with the audacity to believe that God would accomplish it. Audacious prayer. You see, it redirects our prayer from the mundane to the most difficult. Audacious prayer redirects our prayer from the most mundane to the most difficult. And it's in that most difficult that we have the privilege to see God work in our life. Here's the second truth I want to give you. The second truth concerning audacious prayer is this. Audacious prayer is humanly impossible, but God easy. Can I just say that this morning? That audacious prayer is humanly impossible, but God easy. What we often see as so impossible to overcome in our life, what we see is something that we as an individual could never accomplish what we must realize is that this is so easy for God. It is so easy for God. And this is what we begin to see here this morning. Look at verse 13 with me, if you will. This is, this is absolutely crazy, I know. But look at this with me. This is the Word of God. This is what the truth of, word, of God's Word teaches us here this morning. This man prays, God, I need you to stop the sun. I need some more daylight here. I, need to, I mean, this is a, a human impossibility, isn't it? something that could never happen. But look at the power of God in the midst of this prayer. Verse 13 says this, and if you believe God's word is God's word and you believe that God's word is truth, then you must believe that this took place. But here's what we read in verse 13 where it says, and the sun stood still and the moon stopped. What are your thoughts about God's power in your life today? How often do you refuse to pray a prayer to God because you believe he's not capable of handling that in your life? Why would we ever doubt the one who created the kingdoms, the, the heavens and the earth? Why would we ever doubt the one who created everything that exists within the heavens and the earth? Why would we ever doubt a God who created all this to think that maybe he wouldn't be able to do something 
in our life. One of the things that is so beautiful about this passage to me is it reminds me of the power of God. What I may see as impossible, it's easy to God. It's easy. God is able. God is, is, is able to do whatever we may see as humanly impossible. Years and years ago, Linnell and I had the opportunity to begin to counsel with a, a woman who was uh, divorced and she was going through a time of despair and really just a life of discouragement. She was, she was really regretting the fact that she had left her family and divorced her husband and this was just a, a reality of her life and she was living with the consequences of that. And, but she found herself in a very, very difficult place and so she came to us and I said, how can we help you? And she said, can you help me get my marriage back? And I said, well, tell me something about your ex-husband, because I didn't know him. And she says, well, he hates me. He absolutely hates me. He has told me that he never wants to see me again. He never wants me in his life ever again. Uh, that he is, you know, he, he's, he's moved on. He's forgotten me. And he says that he will never, ever, ever, ever remarry me. So this is sort of the situation and I, I remember thinking, well, this makes it a little tough. Uh, this is, this is going to be really hard. I mean, if he's already moved on, they've already divorced, I, I really don't know how this would ever. And, and quite honestly, I found myself just really thinking, you know, she's, she's in for sort of a rude awakening. But we agreed, Linnell and I, to go and meet with her ex-husband and her together and, and just see what we could do. And when we got there, we were met with a man who all of those things she said were absolutely true, Okay. He said, there is no way that I'm going to go back to her. There's no way I'm going to marry her. And he was using language that I'm not quite used to. I'll just be honest. And, and I mean, he was very adamant that this thing was over. And he must have used the word never a thousand times in the course of about a 15-minute conversation. And so I thought, well, you, you know, you've convinced me it's over. And, and, uh, and so I said, well, could we just, could we just pray could we just spend some time in prayer? So we prayed, and it was really amazing. We, it, was, it was just a prayer, you know, God, uh, do what you will in the, in the course of this, if you will. And, and so we, we were praying, and when we finished the prayer, I said, amen. And we all opened our eyes, and he says, well, okay. And I said, okay, what? And he says, uh, okay, I'm willing to at least try to work this thing out. Where did that come from, you know? I mean, I thought we were praying a prayer of, of, of endings, you know, and, and, uh, and he says, I'm willing to work it out. And long story short, this is how God can work in, a, in, in our lives. Long story short, six months later, we remarried them, and they are living today happily ever after. Isn't that amazing? Now, I, I realize that there may be some of you here today that say, well, that's not how God worked in my life. Well, maybe God's working in your life a little differently but we worship a God who is a God of almighty power. How many of you believe that this morning? <laughs> almighty power. And so we must have, the, we must have the, the audacity to pray for what is humanly impossible. I'm going to have to really hurry. Wow, I haven't even gotten to the other three things here. But the third truth that I want to offer to you here this morning is this. Is that audacious prayer doesn't always end in desired results, but it always results in God's desire. Let me say that again. Audacious prayer doesn't always end in our desired results, but it always results in God's desire. 
That's something that we must understand about audacious prayer. Now, should we not pray audacious prayer because it may not turn out the way we think it should? Absolutely not. On the contrary, we should be praying audacious prayers. And, and we see this story of Joshua where he prays for the sun to stand still. And we recognize that this is Joshua's story. This is Joshua's story. Him doing the will of God as he continues to lead God's people into the promised land. Now, don't, don't, it doesn't mean that if you go out there and get in your car and say, I'm going to try this. Hey, God, stop the sun. That God's going to answer that prayer. This is Joshua's story. And oftentimes we, we see where God's working in one way in somebody's life and, so, and one, another way in somebody else's life. And we look for those same results in our life as we offer these audacious prayers. We need to be very careful about that because sometimes through our prayers, God uses them to draw us into a deeper reliance and, uh, of him and a willingness to trust him. Maybe that God has brought us to a time of prayer, audacious prayer in our life, that God would see, would reveal to us the need that we need to have in him. And so there's, there's just uh, these opportunities. We must understand that audacious prayer doesn't always end the way we think it may end. I love what Oswald Chambers once said. He said, our Lord never referred to unanswered prayer. He taught that prayers are always answered. He always implied that prayers were answered rightly because of the Heavenly Father's wisdom. You got to realize that what we need to understand as we pray is that we're praying also for God's will to be done. God's will was for the people of Israel to take the promised land. We know that because he called Joshua to do it. 1 John 5.14 says this, and this is the confidence that we have in, toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. We have to remember that Israel conquering the enemies, and possessing the promised land was the will of God, as we read this story. First Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18 says this, Pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstance, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus to you. And so what we see in Scripture is this, this reality that God desires for us to be praying to him. And it's through that prayer that God will always be working in that prayer. It may not be an answered prayer the way we perceive the, 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 the need to be answered, but God is working in the course of our prayers. Now, what I want to do now is just offer real quickly these three steps to having an audacious prayer life. And I think this is important because as we move forward and as we anticipate the greater things that God is, is, is able to do in our life and in our life to collectively as a local body of believers, uh, we need to understand the things that, the, the ways that we need to pray as we pray to God. Here's, here's one of the things that I wrote down. Reject apathy and doubt when praying. Reject apathy and doubt when praying. You know, I, I can just only imagine that if our, if our attitude is, I don't know why this matters, or I don't know if God wants to answer this prayer, if we enter into prayer with this sort of doubt and this, uh, this apathy that often is associated with our prayers, why would God answer any of those prayers? Why would God come and answer any of the prayers when in our own life apathy and doubt exist? And so let us as the people of God reject apathy. Let us look forward with great expectation and with faith 
as we see all throughout Scripture, let us look forward with great expectation and faith, believing that God not only hears our prayers, but he wants to answer our prayers, and that our attitude is not one of apathy and doubt, but one of great expectation. And so we pray believing. We pray believing that not only can God do it, but that God will do it. And so we pray with faith. I love how Jesus, as he was speaking to his disciples in Matthew 21, he said this. He says, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and you do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to this fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have what? Doubt? No. If you have faith. If you have faith. So often our prayers are accompanied with this belief that God doesn't hear them, that God doesn't want to hear them, that God doesn't love me and thus he won't answer them. That's not how we pray. We pray with faith. Whether we're praying for ourselves, we're praying for our families, or we're praying for our church, we pray with the audacity to believe that God wants to do something remarkable in our life. The second step to uh, having an audacious prayer life is this. Pray and believe beyond what is humanly impossible. You know what makes this story so amazing is that Joshua asked for something that was beyond his ability. And it's only in those kind of prayers that we will begin to see the true power of of God in our life. I've had people who, who would tell me of things that they're praying for, and when they happen, they say, well, yeah, uh, that, 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 yeah it kind of came together. All, all the things sort of came together, not recognizing that God had anything to do with it at all. And so I wonder if, if oftentimes our prayers are just not audacious enough, if they're not bold enough to believe and then to see God do incredible things, things that we could never accomplish on our own. Luke 1 verse 37 says this, for nothing will be impossible with God. Listen to this now, for nothing will be impossible with God. How many of you believe that? That nothing is impossible with God. How many of you believe that truth? It's found in God's word. Nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. I I want you to hear these words over and over and over because I I I want you when you pray I want you to remember those words, that nothing is impossible with God. And then finally, Jesus himself said this in Mark 9, 23. He says, all things are possible for one who believes. All things are possible for one who believes. The final step that I want to offer to you this morning is this. Always advance forward in your faith. Always advance forward in your faith. I've heard it said like this before, put feet to those prayers. I've heard it say like this, make your move while you wait on God. I've heard it said, push on while you pray. You know what's so amazing to me about this story of Joshua is that as he prayed for the sun to be stopped, he was marching. He was moving the people of God from one place to the other. He had tremendous faith that God would accomplish 
what he could not accomplish. And he didn't allow doubt. He didn't allow, allow apathy or these things to creep into his life as he continued to do what God had called him to do. He marched on as he prayed. He didn't stop and wait to see what God would do. He just was, he was marching with the people of God. He was carrying on the will of God. He was doing that which God had called him to do. And he continued to advance forward in faith. What if God had not stopped the sun? What if God had not stopped the moon? I'm convinced that this man was going no matter what. But he was going believing. He was going trusting God to accomplish that which he knew he could not accomplish. He was advancing forward in faith. One of the greatest ways that we can reveal a lack of trust in God is when we are stopped by a lack of faith. When we allow doubt to stop us in our tracks. James 2 verse 17 says this, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Today, we face the rest of our life. Right? I mean, that's sort of a, a dumb thing to say, I guess, but today is the beginning of the rest of our life. We're sitting here today, we're gathered here today as a local body of believers, a church that is, is trusting God with our future. And, and, and you know, we're not going to be able to relive the past. We, I, I hear it from time to time where people say, man, if I could only just go back in time. Well, you can't, okay? We can't. I think I've said that a thousand times myself. I mean, things would just maybe be different if we, if we could, but we we can't. We, we only have what lies ahead. And one of the greatest lessons that this passage teaches us is the ability to pray audaciously to God with great expectation in the God whom we worship, in the Jesus whom we serve. What does our future hold for us? We can only guess. But we can move forward with tremendous faith, believing in God, believing that God has established our future. And we can pray boldly to Him that as we live out His will with our life, He would be a part of it. That He would lead and guide us you know, this morning we have an opportunity as individuals to come to this altar and pray and just spend time with God and, and to spend time lifting up our voices of prayer and adoration to God. Maybe this morning this is something that is very different for us, but we come to this altar and we lift up our voices of thanksgiving, thanking God for all that He has accomplished in our life. Maybe this is a day where we come as individuals and we pray and we ask God boldly to help us as we advance in our future, as we continue to move forward, and pray that God would do greater things than everything we have seen before. Maybe today's prayer is a prayer of, of individuality as we come and we, we lay our needs 
before the altar and we lay our needs before the, the feet of Christ with, with the expect, expectation that God can do something miraculous in our life. Maybe today, some of us today are in need of a miracle in our life. Let this be a day of prayer. We as a church, in just two weeks, are going to be moving from this location to another. And we have already recognized that that is just a building that we're moving into. That we are the church. We are the body of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. And, and so this morning as we prepare with just two weeks to go, maybe, maybe this is a good time for us to come and to spend time on this altar together as a faith family. You know, as we launched our horizontal initiative in, in purchasing the land, three or four or five years ago. I don't even remember how long ago it was. It seems like forever ago, doesn't it? But as we, as we launched that initiative, we, we, we as a church, we came together and literally there were hundreds of people on this altar praying for greater things to happen. Today is a reality where we're just a few short weeks away from moving into that building and asking God to allow that to be our future home. As a faith family, we need a home. And to allow, asking God to allow that to be a future home. But not just a home where we go and we sort of uh, learn and are sanctified by the Holy Spirit of God. Just sort of living out our, our lives together. But that it would be a place not only of equipping of the saints, but it would be a place of reaching those without Jesus. Maybe today is a day where we need to come and we need to spend time at the altar in prayer praying that God would do greater things. Let our takeaway this morning be that we need God in our life. We need to acknowledge a reliance of Him in our life. And we desire more than anything else to continue to see God move in ways that we could only imagine. Maybe move in ways that we have not even had the possibility to think out in our minds. But faith family, I want to invite you to join me and our staff and our leadership of this church. Join us in praying audaciously before a holy and righteous God that we would see miracles take place and that we would see greater things unfold than we have ever seen before. Do you believe? Do you believe in God? And let us pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your presence in our life. Thank you, God, for the miracles that you are working in our life almost on a daily basis. God, that we would have the opportunity to see you move and to see you work and to see you... God, to see you perform miracles in our life. Father, I recognize that many of us are here today in need of restoration. Father, there's some of us here today that are in need of redemption. Father, there's some of us here today that are, are in need of you just working in our life in ways that we've already acknowledged we can't accomplish. And Father, we're here today to acknowledge that, Lord, as we prepare to move into a, 
another building that we will call home. That God, you would continue to do great things in the lives of many. That you would change hearts, that you would bring revival, that we would see an awakening take place among us and in our cities and our communities where we live, work, and play. Father, we pray that you would move in ways that would encourage us so greatly. Because what we would see is your power and your grace at work. And Father, we would be faithful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. We love you. We adore you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.